Louise Cooney's Open Book, a Go Loud original podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Louise and you're very welcome back to Open Book. This week we've got an amazing guest on. I know this episode is normally the one where myself and Sarah sit down and kind of chat about our book and do the book club check-in and check-in with all of you guys. But we did this recording and honestly, we were both just so blown away. This week's guest is Geraldine Lavelle from Castlebar and she suffered a horrific spinal cord injury from a road traffic accident that left three quarters of her body paralyzed at the age of 27. Her story is so inspiring and we just couldn't wait to get it to you. She's written a book, it's called Weathering the Storm. She had to relearn how to do the most basic of things that Honestly, we I just couldn't even imagine. It's just, it's so touching to hear how she come out the other side as this powerful, articulate voice for people with disabilities in Ireland and all over the world. So it really is a story of resilience and a story of a courageous young woman who has made the best of a really terrible, terrible thing that happened to her. So with that being said, let's open the book on Geraldine. Geraldine, you're very welcome to the podcast today. We normally do a check-in at the start of every podcast. It's kind of like a how are you. I'm going to ask you what's in your good books and bad books, and it can be as random, as non-book related, as book related, whatever you want. So what is in your good books this week? Um, the Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Um, so I don't know if, if you're familiar with it, if you've read it, but it explains the law of attraction and how positive energy attracts positive things into your life. And I, So if you can... I suppose, train your brain or this governs your thinking and actions. So how you can use the power of positive thinking to achieve almost anything. I am luckily enough, I think by nature, quite a positive person. But it's also on those days when you just really just feel down or not yourself. It's about trying to remember that positive energy attracts positive things. And I, I remember reading this book when I was in my late teens and I just remember thinking yeah this is remarkable and really good so I go back every now and again I reread chapters so it's it's a book I really love. I love that book too and I actually do the same thing I go back from time to time and check in and yeah. kind of check in with myself. Yes almost. yes it's good it's a good check in. My good books this week is Black Friday yeah. uh, because it's been great for sales it's great to you know bring my I have an activewear brand which I actually must send you some bits from but um, I, I saw it it looks lovely great. I'm 100% going to send you oh. some bits I'll, I'll talk to you, yeah, you. That. but it's just great that like to see that kind of boost in sales before Christmas and like it's our first birthday like tomorrow which is wow. crazy so it's been one hell of a year so that's my good books this week okay. what's in your bad books it's just a lot of chaos around shops and stuff which I just personally have to stay out of because I just do all my shopping online. And it's kind of annoying because even if I, I buy stuff and it doesn't fit, I might not return it, but still it's better than going into shops and trying to try it out because people literally walk all over you. You know, they might not see you and there's boxes in the way and that excess shop, uh, excess packaging around shops and in aisles. And they're, if they weren't, wheelchair friendly before now they definitely aren't on at this time of year so I just I don't particularly like shopping now and um, between now and Christmas it just gets a bit too chaotic for me to be honest well I agree with you on that I'm much I much prefer online shopping I'm gonna go home tonight and sit down with my laptop and with a glass of wine and that's just the dream yeah it's amazing isn't it um do you know Sinead Burke uh her name sounds very familiar does she have so she's a, a activist for rights for disabled people and basically you know the kind of stuff that she would talk about is like inclusivity for everyone so if you can't reach the the, the sink or the hand dryer or like if there's not a um, wheelchair accessible you know entrance or if the clothes aren't made to fit you know different body types this kind of thing um, you'd actually find her stuff really really interesting and she's She's Irish from Dublin and she is like the most well-connected person in the world. She's got like Victoria Beckham's poster on her. Wow. Instagram. She's been on the cover of Vogue. Like wow. she's, yeah, it's so impressive. But like that clothes don't fit um, comfortably. And oh, I found so many challenges. Um, one of my friends actually set up, uh, he, he set up a clothing company for people 
He's based in Cork, Nathan Kerwin, uh, a clothing company for people with disabilities because it's so annoying. Like trousers that maybe like fit sit nicely when you're standing, things don't look or feel definitely don't feel as comfortable when you're in a permanent seat position. And even jackets like, you know, lifting up because they're between your backrest or heels are very difficult, which that if I could go back and do one thing, I'd love to just get so dressed up and wear a lovely short skirt or dress and look amazing. Not that you can't do that now, but I just feel like sitting down um, dresses are a wee bit. I feel a little bit more, uh, I don't know, like short dresses. I, I prefer yeah. Yeah, I prefer to wear longer dresses, really, to be honest, if I go to weddings or events or whatnot. Yeah, I think that can just be being in your 30s as well, though. I'm a bit the same. I'm like, I can't wear that yeah, anymore. Yeah. I'm getting a bit old. That's probably it as well. That's because I have people commenting saying you're a bit old for that, aren't you? I'm like, well, I don't know what to wear. Who well, you're like harsh. I still look amazing. In my bad books, it's also Black Friday because it's a very, it's very busy and very stressful. And yeah, I'm running around like a blue arse fly this week. But hey, look, it's all part of it. Yeah, it's all the build up. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, I feel like Black Friday is not as good as it used to be. Like every, it goes on all month. Yeah, it really does. And it starts too early. It's not just on the Friday. It's about, yeah, about a month before. It's like annoying, you know, because you don't know when to buy the offer. And also, I remember years ago when I was like 16, went over to New York with my mom and we went to Woodbury Common, the outlets. And like we did all the queuing, we did the suitcases, like, you know, filling up the suitcases with bags uh, around. The, like, oh, God, we were crazy. But uh, we did a lot of shopping <laughs> and like you'd get amazing deals. Whereas now, like, it's just kind of what you get anyway. Yeah. You know, on sale. Year. It really is. Yeah, but anyway, look, we move on to to more important topics. (laughs) Do you want to explain to our listeners a little bit about the book, the premise behind the book, your idea and why you really wanted to do it? Yes. So I um, obviously I always loved reading as a a young child. Um, I was quite an active outdoor child as well I suppose so in my teenage years maybe I drifted away from reading but since obviously my accident I have really been drawn back into books and particularly over the last number of years where reading and writing has taken on a whole new meaning for myself so it was initially for therapeutic reasons but as you as you read out there it's more to advocate on behalf of others who mightn't be able to find their voice and who may feel quite lost in a very bleak reality that can be the world of disabilities. Like there is so much to get your mind around when when I first became injured. Um, so I was a healthy, strong, fit, young individual. Um, I'd finished college. I was working away I was living with my partner you know things were going really well um in my life and then all of a sudden just my whole world was flipped upside down and I was reduced to basically what I what felt like being I suppose an infant where I had to relearn how to do the most basic of tasks and relearn everything in my life um I suppose from the really small steps to the bigger steps of driving and just, well, I suppose initially just being able to go out and about by myself again, learning how to uh, move in a chair and uh, be physically independent, you know, getting up in the mornings and all all the challenges and problems that come with um, a not so, I suppose, healthy um, life. Uh, well you 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 can be healthy no doubt but I mean a life that's it's definitely more challenging for sure um but in in some ways it is rewarding in that I feel like by even just writing articles and my book I, I've wanted to write write a book for a number of years now and um, I've been writing articles and blogs along the way to I suppose to help others who are starting off on their journey and maybe to give them ideas you know, to show them that the future is a lot brighter than they may feel when 
when they, if they're initially injured or when something devastating happens, I suppose you can't really see past the next more than the next few steps. So it's kind of just to show people that further down the line, there does come hope. There does come a lot more than than you could imagine. And think you can get things back on track. And it's just about having the right people around you. And I suppose keeping as positive as possible mindset which obviously I know is not always easy at the best of times, but it really, um, yeah, it's doable. What, uh, I've drifted off your point. Why did I write the book? Yeah, to, I suppose to help others. Geraldine, if, if it's not too hard for you, can you can you talk about that, about the accident and that day or what you remember of it? Yeah, I, I talk about it in my book. Um, and I talk about it and... I suppose every time I talk about it, I do, I do find myself I get like exhausted after I think about it because I suppose there is still so much anxiety and trauma in there from the injury and from that day and just remembering it all and um I remember like the helicopter and I remember being at the side of the road, I remember pleading with the person who was first on the scene to just get my phone out of my pocket to ring my partner at the time um and they were just like no 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 we can't move you we can't move you and all I kept saying was just get my phone out take my phone out and then because I wanted to ring him to say bye because I just was like I'm I'm dying like so it was kind of crazy in a sense that I my body was so calm and so still when it actually when the impact happened and I just felt like I was free floating and I was just seeing a warm blue sky. But then after a few moments when I suppose I realized, OK, I'm still here. I've got a quick chance to tell him goodbye and I love him. And it, I don't know why I didn't want. Obviously, I wanted to say it to everyone else, but I had just left my home uh, about 10 minutes before that. So obviously he was the last person in my mind. So I just wanted. To, but um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I still I still get emotional and still get upset, I suppose, thinking about it all and just the hospital and being there and just trying to come to grips with everything. And, you know, in the beginning, you have hope and you don't really not that I don't didn't have hope after, but you don't really know what to expect or you don't um, understand the enormous reality of what is about to come next or what is going to follow for everyone around you, like just adapting homes, trying to get to grips with trying to use a chair. Just there's so much for everyone and people as well. Um, I suppose they don't know as well how to react to you. And that can be a little bit upsetting as well. It's just as well, just because they're it's it's not that they feel you've changed. It's just they don't want to hurt you or say something wrong. And it's probably like walking on eggshells all the time with well, it was with me. I'm not. Um, yeah, so that was hard as well. But thankfully, like all the people who stayed with me and who just still treat me exactly the same. So that's that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, can you remember when they told you that it that you were paralyzed, or did you know straight away? Um, no, I don't think the reality sunk in for. A number of weeks so I knew I was lying flat on a bed for a number of uh, hours maybe 24 hours um, before the operation and I knew that I was going to have an operation and I knew that my spine was being elongated using traction and and then they give you you know that they probably they understand I suppose what function you have or what level you have injured so maybe they have a general idea of what function you will get back with your hands and legs and limbs and whatnot but even though I had studied neuroscience for um four years and I'd done a four-year bachelor of science prior to that so science is my background but even lying there I didn't realize like that that you could end up and live a perfectly healthy life and 
with a spinal cord injury. So it was a real eye opener. I don't remember the exact moment I was told I was paralyzed. Oh, I do actually. It was in the ICU unit with my sister. So that was actually when I left the Matter Hospital. So it was a number of weeks later. So they kind of explained to me that you may get back function. You know, you may, stuff may come back. So there was always that you may get back, but they weren't telling you yes or no because they didn't know what what you were going to regain and what you weren't. Um, yeah, so I remember just my own. God, that's incredible. I just admire your strength so much. I, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. Yeah. It, and oh, sorry, yeah. Like, how long, how have you come on over the last nine years? I know you briefly said that you have hopes to walk again. And have you seen anything come back at all? No, I, 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 I made my peace with, I think, all of that. Because if I didn't, it was going to devour me from the inside out. So around the three-year mark, I just decided to move forward and just whatever, whatever is whatever will be will be if you get me I don't plan I I once you have a spinal cord injury especially a complete spinal cord injury so there's there's different levels but a complete means that you will lose function so it's not to say I don't want to give people who have a complete spinal cord injury there's always hope like there's technology is constantly um changing like who would have thought 30 years ago we'd have the internet in our pockets. Um, so there is always hope and there, there's chips being developed that are can be implanted into people's brains and there's there's many and wheelchairs are being advanced all the time. But for me personally, if I didn't just park that and just move on, it, it I wouldn't I you know holding on to hope is one thing, but you have to be able, and this is what I've actually started writing my second book about. You have to be able to, um, I think, just keep going with what you have and be grateful for what you have. And that is a really big lesson that I have learned since my spinal cord injury. I don't think I was fully appreciative of everything I had in my life until that horrible, terrible thing happened to me, which some people I'm not going to say all people or most people, but some people mightn't be. And we spend a lot of time, I think, worrying about, you know, some irrelevant things. Well, I know I definitely did worrying about, I don't know, you spend a lot of time worrying about money and going on holidays or, I don't know, you just worried. Like in college, there's always exams, there's always something to be worrying about. But then when something enormous happened and then you've just no you've no no way forward but just to kind of get on with what you have and that's what I'm trying to do day to day and to stay as healthy as possible be thankful for who I have what I have do you remember like a turning point because I know you spoke about the the earlier days that were very hard and obviously you're facing a complete new reality do you remember the turning point was there a moment or something that kind of helped you to shift your mindset yes around the three-year mark I think it was kind of when I decided I needed to change my outlook because I while I when I was so when I left the hospital it was almost a year um after my injury and I I didn't really imagine what life was going to be like when I left the hospital but there was no accommodation close as close as possible to my home in Casabar so I had to move to a town which was over an hour, 20 minutes drive away from family, friends, loved ones. So that in itself was a monstrous step, I felt at the time, because I didn't know how I was even going to cope day to day or what it was going to be like where I lived, because I had to um, go into a residential setting to, because there's just very few places, very little accommodation. And I suppose from your transition from the hospital to independent living, it's useful to live in a residential setting just till you get your day-to-day bearings. But due to accommodation, well, I'll come back to that later. But yeah, so I was I was living here and everything just seemed so bleak and so impossible. And it was just so difficult. And obviously family and friends all visited as much as they could. But then as time went on, people had to go back to 
work back to reality, back to paying their bills. So, you know, people couldn't be with me 24 seven. So then I kind of went through a little bit of, a, I suppose, a hump in the road. I was just like, there's no point, you know, might as well just take to drinking, being on my own in the room. You know, I didn't know what, where or how I was going to take my next steps. And then I just decided, look, I do actually remember just thinking, look, you are still here. You can still achieve stuff. You can still live a productive life. You can still be there for your nieces, for your nephew, for your family, for for your for your friends. You know, they can contact you. You know, you still can be the exact same person and offer the same things in life. And that's what I just realized. And that was through all the wonderful, remarkable people that I have in my life. And I'm absolutely blessed because I don't know how I would have honestly overcome what I had to what I've had to overcome without those people in my life. And I know people can and people do do things remarkable and they mightn't have a great network. And my I take my hat off to those people because, you know, having just such great people in your life, they're, they're your backbone and they give you courage and they keep you going. And they're just so happy that you are still here. And I kind of just wanted to make them proud as well because they, they're in your corner rooting for you. So you're thinking, okay, I, I can do this. Just keep going. And then step by step, like small achievements, every single small step, this kind of, you know, grew inside. And I just said, you know, I can do more with this. And slowly but surely, you know, you made fr- I made friends. I got back being active. Um, what else? I went back to employment. I started dating a while, a good while later. I must admit, I learned to drive. You know, I attended friends' weddings. You do all the things that you're, you would be doing anyway. Well, I was doing. And you just keep going, really. You just keep going. But it's slightly different in that you have to plan a little bit more. But you keep going. And, you know, people are just wonderful. And they're just delighted with you. So <laughs> I suppose you have to keep going. I can imagine how proud your family are of you just looking at the cover of your Aww. book. You're in a wheelchair on a paddleboard like that is so cool. And I know you said before that um, you found reading and writing really therapeutic. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so I found that quite therapeutic. And over the last uh, number of years, um, I, I, as I said, yeah, I uh, I've written a number of articles for both like local and national papers and then uh, people told me that I should go on and write a book so I, I took the plunge like last I think it was last October and then I set about writing my book and it took me about a year um, but I just found it immensely helpful because it felt like right I have everything in that book all that's happened has happened. I don't reread it ever because it's like it's there. It's down on paper. Now I can just like close that chapter and move forward. And that's exactly. So I was talking about talking about um, the past. It is. I know we have to talk about things to work through them in our head. But um, I, I never sought out counselling or maybe I just I'm a doer and not really a a talker even though I'm talking non-stop now but I mean in that I just like to do things and move forward and not think about it too much because if you think about things you know procrastination and all that it can kind of engulf you. I really admire you for that and when I was reading your blog a while ago I just admire you for bringing attention to these things and not feeling sorry for yourself that people don't understand just trying to explain it so that more people understand and you want the most out of your life so you're not going to allow these things to hold you back or stop you and I really really admire that you You know you're working at the moment in um Sligo the Sligo IT is it? I was working in Sligo IT Um, I finished just before I started writing the book but that's not to say that I won't go back now I, I I focus more on my blogs at the minute and um writing and as I said I started I'm halfway through another book 
And I'm hoping to write a children's book. That's what I would absolutely love to do. And just to try and explain it to the younger generations, because all my wonderful and gorgeous nieces and nephews, like they've come, they've been uh, around me all the time in my chair. So it's never been an issue. They've never, ever thought of it as an issue, which is just amazing. And I did talks in schools and I found the same reaction. Like children don't see any problem with anything like a wheelchair, anything about crutches or, you know, aids to live. And, you know, I wonder at what point we lose that and where things become, you know, an issue to some people. And it's just about raising awareness in employment. So if if our younger generations can understand, um, like try, me trying to explain to my nieces and nephews why I can't walk, it's because I injured my spine and just kind of trying to break it down into the smallest uh, Lego bricks, if you if you get me. And, and then once they understand, that's perfect. That's okay. You're still exactly the same person to them. So. I just think that's remarkable and I just love children and I'd love to work with children uh, whether it's reading yeah. writing to them I know you're a special needs assistant as well yes I qualified I did my I did a course since I've become disabled so that's what I was hoping yeah maybe to work with oh, um, that's, that's amazing and in your like you know healing process was there any books in particular that, that you found really helped you or stood out to you over the last nine years? Um, I love all of Katie Piper's. Mm. She is just an amazing and remarkable woman. I just think she is a wonderful role model for for young young girls and just her strength of mind and the way that she kept going and didn't allow somebody to take who she was um, and destroy that. And she's just fantastic and she has her family She's an author. She's um, a TV presenter. I just, I just, and she just comes across as such a lovely, warm person. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved all her books. Um, I loved um, the Sixteenth Round by Reuben Carter. So I've read that a number of times. He was in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and he was tortured in prison. I suppose there's a general theme through a lot of the books I like reading. It's about um, people who have strength of mind and courage. And I suppose that gives me strength reading about how people overcome their difficulties. And I think everyone, no matter what age, gender, you know, you name it, race, we all have our day to day challenges. Some may seem bigger, you know, from the outside looking in, but you don't know what anyone is battling on the inside day to day or, you know, none of us know what's going on in anyone's head or how big their problem is to them. And I suppose just reading books that people can overcome so much, that that's why I just think books are amazing and they connect people. They they allow us to um, imagine or they allow us. Oh, sorry, I'm getting a bit out of breath. Yeah, they just connect people and they give us hope. So Reuben Carter, yeah, the 16th round would be definitely one. Um, I love to obviously Nelson Mandela's autobiography, again, a very strong, um, uh, a strong strength of mind and his character. You're so inspiring and resilient. I'm like, what will I ask you next? I have so many questions for you. Oh, you should see me on a day today. I don't feel like that, but. Oh, I, I think you sound very mentally strong. Actually, in one of your blogs that I read, you said time doesn't make things easier. I, I'm probably paraphrasing now, but it, it makes it easier to, to live with the pain. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember writing that. Um, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't people say about time heals all wounds. I don't know if it heals everything, but you learn to cope, you learn to deal, you learn to move forward. And you see just some inspiring people day to day and they can they can just overcome the most the most agonizing pain and you're just wondering how do they keep going and mm-hmm. I know I've had to overcome stuff but I, as I said I was just very lucky that I've had so so much great support behind me my community everyone who fundraised and helped me to get back out there 
because it's it's quite an expensive world, disability. Yeah. I know, I imagine. And yeah. just all all my community who helped me like get a car. We've just done so much. That's amazing. Yeah. People are just amazing. When we all come together and stand behind each other. And I think that's what we should that's what we can learn from books. Absolutely. And from your podcast. Do you Yes, I'm just so grateful to have you on to to share your story and open people's eyes to what it's like day to day, like day to day for you now. What do you find is like a pleasure and what what is a challenge? Um, A pleasure is getting outside, getting in the fresh air, just nature. I love being outdoors and I'm such an outdoor person. I'll actually go for a walk probably now after this. Um, a challenge it's quite frustrating when you just can't do still I get frustrated with simple day-to-day tasks I know I can do so much and I try not to focus on the little things that I can't do because I'm in my world of writing and thinking and deciding what I'm going to do next and my mind is always jumping from one thing to the next so I don't allow myself to sit and be negative and just do nothing Sometimes that can be a problem when I just don't allow myself to rest and do nothing. But mm-hmm. pain can be a challenge day to day as well. So there comes to a time when you just literally have to take a rest and take a step back. And I can do hours on the laptop and then realize, oh, my God, my back is in so much pain. Mm. Small, frustrating day to day challenges. But same like everyone else. Enjoy just getting out, meeting people people chatting away to you. I'm a very social person. I put myself out there. I love that. Um, Many of us could do with taking a page out of your book. But if you had to take a leaf out of somebody else's book, whose would it be and why? I suppose an amazing, an amazing man would be Stephen Hawking. Uh, Mm -hmm. At 21, being diagnosed with neuron disease and then going on to be like possibly one of the most remarkable academic geniuses that ever was like he he obviously didn't let anything stand in his way but it's not to say that I I believe he became quite depressed afterwards uh, after he found out his diagnosis but then I think everyone got behind him his family his he he was blessed in that he had a great team of medics um, and I suppose they allowed him to keep going to use voice simulators he operated his chair with one hand and I, I believe at one stage one finger and even using a muscle in his cheek when his hand ceased to work. But at the same time, this he didn't allow that to stop his mind from from like venturing to the furthest outer planes. Like he just was remarkable and unbelievable. And what all that he achieved in his lifetime. Like some people wouldn't achieve that, a healthy person, if they live to be 150. So he's just remarkable. Yeah. And I think that's that's one really positive way to look at everything you've gone through. It's put you in such a unique position to be an advocate for every for everyone who, you know, is disabled. And that must be really encouraging and like it must must give you like a purpose, you know. I do. And I've gotten such lovely feedback about the book, um, about Wedding Storm, from people who are both disabled and not disabled. And people just saying that they found the book not just, they found the book was so helpful in their day-to-day lives. And um, one ma- one lad actually contacted me and he he said he'd been off work for a number of months and he'd found himself quite depressed and after reading the book, like he was just going to get back on the horse and deal with what was going to come next. And he just found it so useful. And then another lady, she these are people that just stand out to me. She has a visual impairment. And I sent her on an electronic copy of the book. And she was so thankful um, and that she just she just found what I, I had said. She was afraid about going back, actually dating. Um, since she became visually impaired because she just didn't have the confidence. And I just told her, like, at the end of the day, you know, you are who you are and people can else accept you for who you are and love you for who you are. And that's it. That's what we should be teaching as well. Well, 
I don't have children, but I think young, the younger generation should know, like, they are perfect the way they are. You know, they can just, I think, you know, I have nieces and nephews, and I just hope they know that they're perfect the way they are. And we all are, in spite of disabilities, whatever ability you have, you know, it's the person inside that counts. And that's what we should be hoping to achieve. And when people write those lovely messages, it definitely, it definitely makes me feel like, okay, great. I thought this book was going to be a flop and now at least it's helping somebody. I'm delighted to hear that you're outdated. I think you have a partner now though. I I have a partner, yeah, for the last two years. Um, Yeah, but dating that was, whoa, that was a, a big milestone, I think, just trying to sum up the courage and go back out there. Do you want to tell us about when you met your other half? Uh, when I met him, well, I'd know, I'd seen him around for years, um, and I always spoke with him uh, in Sligo, where I live, and I always just thought, wow, he's gorgeous, and he just chatted away to me when we'd meet. You know, I thought he was just lovely and friendly, um, but I never, in my wildest thought, he'd be interested in me. And then it was actually on a dating app. I saw him and I was like, okay, I'm just going to put myself out there. And I just wrote like, hi, how are you? You know, I see you're on this too, you know, just kind of more for the chit chat. And then, then I realized, oh, he's actually, you know, interested. I was like, okay. And then we just met up for coffee and we went for a few drives and got to know each other better. And he didn't see my, my disability at all, which was amazing. And, you know, I was yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely just to feel like, you know, it was a long time being on my own. And I just didn't, I didn't know what to expect or imagine in a relationship. But it's 6-8, I suppose it's the same, bar the physical challenges, obviously. Um, it's a bit, sometimes I feel like a bit of a burden or, but he, he never, ever, ever makes me feel like that. But I don't want to be a burden to him. But He's like, you're not. I love you for you. Um, but yeah, there's, but everything else is the same. Like you still have the same, how to describe it, the same banter, the same chat. You still have to, I can't think of the word, compensate. No, you have to compromise. compromise that's the word. Something I'm not good at, but yeah, it's <laughs> all about that in relationships. Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, no, so we have our good days. We have our bad days. We have our arguments. And we have our lovely moments like most relationships. So good. It's been good so far. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. So we're reading a love story. What's your advice for the main character? Um, just being yourself. And I went on a few dates and I just felt like I was inadequate or I just, I, I didn't give myself enough of a chance going in there in uh, and I was putting myself down so there is enough people out there I suppose to put us all down so we should just be happy in ourselves and confident in, in ourselves so for the main character just believe in yourself and be yourself don't try and be anyone else just be who you are and be true to that and follow your own values and goals and you will find someone who is perfect for you the way you are because you are perfect that way. I love that. That's such a, a lovely message. And I think it's totally true as well because I just know, I can think of dates that in the past years ago like that I went on and, you know, you're trying to kind of, I don't know, put your best foot forward, but in turn, you're not really being yeah. honest. And I kind of do that even around people. I pick up on people's vibes, just friends and people I meet from day to day. And I find sometimes I, I see myself kind of changing to make them more comfortable. And I'm like, no, Louise, be yeah. So I think everyone kind of struggles with, but I can imagine it's it's hard for you when you're dealing with something that I know it's nine years on, but it's still probably new for you and it's still probably challenging because it's, you know, not every, you're not going to meet um, a lot of people who understand or, you know, they might be intimidated by it. Or I read your blog before I came in about sexuality uh, for people with disabilities and I, I just thought it was so interesting because it opened my eyes to something I've never really explored you know and that's it exactly I I think it's maybe just possibly not understanding and not having an awareness but it does come from maybe not seeing as many people in wheelchairs in the public 
eye or in the media. And that's what I suppose everything in life about is just understanding. And if we understand stuff, then it's not such a big taboo. Absolutely. I, I, before this conversation, didn't even know it would be possible to drive when you're paralysed. That's so impressive. Oh, yeah, I actually had my doubts about it, to be honest, because I'm paralysed from above my chest. So three quarters of my body with limited hand function. You know, I was very sceptical. I didn't think. But then when I saw how many other people in chairs um, who would have like every injury would be different. So at different levels, if you have a, a higher or lower break, you have more or less ability, a break on your spinal cord. So I didn't know. I thought maybe they had different levels but of an injury. But then once I did some research and found car companies, they can adapt for all forms of disability and I should say ability really. And yeah, I, I, my sister actually jokes with me that I drive better now than <laughs> I know. That's so funny. I love that. And I know you're you're super active. What kind of sports do you do now that yeah, you know that maybe you're you're not able to do some of the ones that you were able to do before. Have you found new sports? Yes, I love water sports um a lot more now since before my accident. Um, so I've tried supping. That is just amazing. That feeling of freedom, just being out on the water and paddling along with nature. That is that was just I've done that a number of times, and I've also tried kayaking out on the water. That was lovely as well. Um, so I used to do kickboxing uh, before my accident. I and I was an active gym goer. I would have done a lot of cycling, running. So I still do hand cycling. Um, I can still go out every day. I I still call it for a walk, but I mean like a push. So I I do love to stay active and remain active. And that was something I kind of worried would I still be able to do once I had a physical disability. But there is so many sports out there to try from. I've tried like wheelchair basketball, wheelchair rugby. And there's a lot of able-bodied people who just get in the chair and join in. And it's just great crack. Like I've tried that out in IT Sligo. Would you ever consider getting involved in the Paralympics? Oh, I don't know if I'd be fit enough for that. It's a lot more dedication possibly. Oh, never say never, but I'm, I'm 36 now, so I don't know. Would I be? I think you'd be well able for it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, have you got a community or like a network of people that you can talk to and can understand and relate everything that you go through? Yeah, so I would have less than, I suppose, when you're in the hospital, you're in more close contact. So the oh. Now I um, social media, I suppose, is great and WhatsApp and staying on groups. Um, I, that's very important as well for your your psyche, just to know that there's other people out there going through the same sort of struggles that you may, may be going through. But also I have a wonderful group of friends from home and we're on a group um, WhatsApp. And actually they were super excited when they found out that I was going to be on the, the your podcast. Um, so I stay in touch with people. You know, modern technology is is amazing. So it's great just to be able to stay in touch with everyone. Absolutely. Uh, what are you reading at the moment? At the moment on my dresser, um, I'm a bit of a nerd. There is a psychology book. Um, there is Anne Frank's diary. There is oh. a, a neurology book. Because, as I mentioned, I like to just from time to time go back and reflect on what's uh, up and coming in new uh, research ID research across neuroscience. So my studies were in depression Um a psychology book because I never I didn't study anything about that in school. Or I didn't have any background in that. Um, but I am fascinated by what drives people or what motivates people past like the basics of what we need food like when our basic needs are met warmth food and whatnot what pushes us to keep going and drives us so that to me I suppose as well that's what I'm thinking a lot about and talk a lot about 
or hoping to talk more about in my next book. And I suppose it's about, yeah, the innate progression and why some people have it more, I suppose, why are we so motivated? What what drives us? Survival of the fittest. You know, this stuff, I'm a big geek. But, uh, you know, even I think about, I've read a lot about Nazi concentration camps. And um, I remember reading this quote that Viktor Frankl uh a Nazi concentration camp survivor, he said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And that's just it about the human spirit, how people can withstand like the worst misfortune in history and still keep going with their sanity intact. So I just find that just mind-blowing. Yeah, I think your attitude is amazing. Just the positivity and the way you want to move forward with that positivity. It's, it sounds like it keeps bringing you to great places and it sounds like you're on a really lovely journey. Oh, I suppose, yeah, we only get one chance, isn't that it? Yeah, and you're making such an impact. Your family must be so proud of oh, you. Oh, thank you so much. What have you closed the book on? Toxic people negativity I don't really like being around negativity I do not like people who complain a lot um you know obviously everyone's going to complain from time to time but in the grand scale of things we all thank god have food on our plates we all have a roof over our head you know there's people who are a lot worse off so I, I just don't see the point day to day wasting time on negativity and yeah toxic people who might bring you down or just make your situation worse you don't need any of that in your life and you just need to let go of that baggage because I think it can pull you pull you under has the last nine years changed you as a person a lot yes and no yes in that it's made me far more appreciative but again I don't know if that's as well growing up and just realizing, you know, teenage years are quite confusing and then young adulthood and all that. It's, I don't know if it's growing up or, but I think it's a lot to do with my accident and just being far more thankful and f- seeing things a lot differently. I view situations a lot more differently. But have I changed as a person? No, I am still the exact same, headstrong, determined. I don't know what other, adjut- probably not good ones. Proactive. Oh, oh yeah, say. proactive. Hopefully, yeah, and active. Yeah, you don't change. In, in, in an accident, I I thought it would change me, but no, you still are fundamentally your same self. But it's 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 made me. It's highlighted my strengths and weaknesses a bit more. Well, to be honest, like I talk to a lot of people day to day, and you sound so much more positive, so much more thankful than most people who have are not dealing with what you have to deal with so you know that's I like that's amazing Aww. and you're like a pleasure to talk thank to. you so much I have one final question for you before we finish up okay. chatting what's your happily ever after um my happily ever after I don't really plan too far ahead which can be quite annoying for family members and friends when they're trying to plan weekends and whatnot but I don't know if I think it is a defense mechanism that I my brain has developed since my injury that I don't think too far ahead. I think it's because in the past I had I thought my future was so mapped out and, you know, there was going to be happily ever after. You know, I I probably wanted the home, the wedding, the, the children. And it's not to say that that those things might not come, but I'm kind of more open to whatever will be will be at this stage in my life and if it means I find someone or like I get married or if I have kids or my happily ever after is just being as healthy and happy as I can be and just supporting other people around me and keep just keep going because happily ever after I think if we plan too much can we be disappointed if things go wrong I don't know it's not to say that I don't hope for things I hope everything will be good and turn out but Whatever it will be, will be. I'll be happy with it as long as it's as good as I can make it. Yeah, I think there's no better woman to to make the best of 
whatever is in store for you. And I'm sure it's amazing things. So I'm very excited for you. Like, I can't wait to get my hands on your second book. Uh, but anyone who's listening, they can buy Weathering the Storm now at mayobooks.ie. And you can follow Geraldine Labelle on her Instagram as well. And it's so inspiring. So I highly recommend following. Thank you. And my blog is disability.ie as well, which I'm working on updating. I'm going to put up more videos of my day-to-day living. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you, Louise, for having me. It was so lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. I hope you got as much from it as I did. I really was moved by her story. Geraldine is a perfect example of an ordinary person with a really extraordinary story. So if you know anyone like that, that you'd like to hear on here, or maybe you know of them, please do let us know because we're always looking for new guests. And I think it just gives the podcast a little bit of an edge. It's nice to have different stories from different people with different backgrounds. Geraldine's book would make an amazing gift for anyone this Christmas who needs a little bit of inspiration. It's called Weathering the Storm and it's available now from mayobooks.ie. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and I will see you all next week for our book club check-in. We're going to read to page 200 as planned, I know, and I can't wait to catch up with you all. Bye.